Welcome to 100 Ways, your simple reminder that you are home wherever you are and that everything is right the way it is right now. I'm your host, Laura Christine, fellow explorer of consciousness and this amazing, beautiful world. Let's get curious, dive into the duh, and find out what's here for us today. Welcome to 100 Ways. This is your daily exploration of self and soul. I'm your host and fellow explorer, Laura Christine. Let's dive in and find our way home. Last weekend, we heard from Ethan when he was sharing anecdotes from his spiritual journey through India. I was staying at my friend Jared's house. Jared was on a silent Vipassana retreat. So a couple weeks after I left, he and I had a conversation over Zoom where I got to learn more about what this silent retreat was all about. Here's Jared. Effectively, what that is, is a training session to learn how to meditate is what I would call it. Learning how to meditate in the Vipassana tradition, which is using your mind to examine your body and the sensations that are happening in your body and relating those sensations to the thoughts and emotions that we are having with the ultimate goal of becoming non-reactive to what ultimately proves to be the feelings in our body. But on the surface, it will seem like we are becoming non-reactive to the environment around us, including the thoughts that we're having in our mind. So it is uh, takes place over actually 12 days. There's a day zero where you show up and there's a brief meditation that night. But silence, noble silence starts on day zero. For 10 days after that, everyone in the group is silent and there's no communication between the people there, including eye contact or hand gestures or any form of communication, at least intentional communication. Then on day 10 in the afternoon, the silence ends. And then day 11, which is really day 12, is the final day where you go home. So that's kind of the basic structure of what it was. I went there with, uh, we'll say like, the intentions that I spoke to myself before I went there was, I'm doing this to explore my mind and learn more about what my mind is capable of and how my mind is working. But I also, after the retreat, this is kind of like cutting to the core of something here, but I realized after the retreat, I was feeling this like intense disappointment. As I sat with that, I realized that I actually had this intention going in or this idea going into the retreat that this was going to be a magic pill that's going to make me experience no more suffering. And my life's just going to be pure bliss after I go do this sitting in silence for 10 days. And of course, that did not happen. Even though 10 days was really hard, it was a lot of work. It was a very difficult journey to go on. Just because I tried really hard for 10 days doesn't mean that suddenly my life will be free of suffering. So Despite the like pure intentions I thought I had going in, I actually, you know, had this <laughs> deeper, more, um, well, I, I call it 
it's actually not a deeper intention, a more superficial intention of like, I'm just going to go there to become free. It will be enlightened by the end of this 10 days. That's a noble intention, though, <laughs> to be free. I think that we all want to be free. Yeah. And that is the not necessarily the promise of Vipassana or of Buddhism in general, but it is something that Buddhism will tell you is possible, that there is a path to freedom and there is a path to enlightenment. And I, I take that word to mean maybe something much more literal, like to become lightened, to carry less weight. And I, I don't think that's the etymology of the word probably doesn't have to do with the mental load we're carrying. I don't actually know, but that's kind of how I started to think of it is just to carry less weight, to, to have less of a burden to carry through our lives. I see enlightenment that same way too. And yeah. maybe you're right. We could look up the etymology and I probably <laughs> will because I'm a total nerd in that sense. And it really does make sense in that way of enlightenment literally means drop the heaviness. I was actually going to ask you where Vipassana comes from. So it's a Buddhist practice. It is a Buddhist practice. And it's my first entrance into like anything formally associated with Buddhism. I will say in this school of teaching, there was very little that I would call religious. It all seemed quite rational and logical. There was only a brief moment where there was anything that I would consider to be like hand wavy of like, yeah, just don't look here too hard because, you know, there's no evidence to back up this part. The teacher briefly went into a discussion of what happens when we die. And it, it, what's weird is it happened to actually line up with my own personal beliefs. But I have a really hard time when someone else says, here's what happens after you die. And we know this to be true. Like, no, you, you don't know it to be true. There's no way you know it to be true. I don't know. Just my my own personal thoughts are like, I like to come to my own conclusions about things like that. And I appreciated that 99.9% .9 of this teaching of Apashna had nothing to do with metaphysical explanations of what happens when we die or before we're alive or whatever. Or what enlightenment really is, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. You said you worked really hard for 10 days. Can you elaborate on that? I feel like working hard is sort of counterproductive to meditating. Yeah, you're right. I, th I think you're right in that assumption that working hard at it is counterproductive. But maybe if I explain a little bit, it'll make more sense. So the technique of Vipassana is sitting with eyes closed, or at least in the in the way that this teacher taught it, sitting with eyes closed, initially focusing on your breath, using your mind to direct attention toward your breath, just there is breath coming in and breath going out. And very quickly, we narrow that down to just what is the sensation that you feel in your nose as you're breathing in and out? It's using your mind to narrow down to sensations and then even more narrowly focus on the sensations felt on your upper lip as you breathe in and out. And then it, it just continues to go more specific from there and there. And eventually you're doing full body scans and you're paying attention to the sensations at every part of your body. So this is like how we sharpen the mind to be able to observe the body. Where it feels like hard work for me is I'm sitting here on a mat for the first few days, quite uncomfortable, unable to sit still for more than a few minutes and having to constantly 
well, feeling like I need to constantly move my body to find comfort and discovering that there is no comfort and sitting for an hour at a time and just getting really distracted by the physical discomforts of sitting. So that's one layer. And then there's the other layer of my mind is a wild animal. I watched an evolution of my mind happen over these 10 days. But initially, like the first two or three days, I would sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to focus on my breath. I'm going to use the power of my mind to pay attention to what's happening in my nose. And that will last for about five seconds. And then my mind is off running, checking out ideas that I've had from my childhood or ideas I have for the future or just various topics will just show up in my mind and my mind will just like a, a puppy dog, they'll run off and chase those thoughts. The first realization I had in my mind is I'm a maniac. I just, as I'm watching my mind do this, it is all over the place. Then I'm like, okay, yeah, I see all those thoughts and that's right. I'm here at this 10 day retreat to pay attention to my breath. So I'm going to Thanks for coming into my mind, thoughts. Um, I'm going to bring my attention back to my breath, and that'll last for a few seconds. And then more thoughts appear, just continuing to do that same thing over and over and over. That was like the first three days. It's just like constantly observing thoughts arise and disappear, and new thoughts arise and disappear. But it, it, you know, it was like this constant flood of, of thoughts, just insufferable stream. And, you know, starting to realize I have no control over what thoughts come in and I want to be paying attention to my breath, but I can't. My attention keeps drifting away. This is really making me think about the episode where Christine called in and spoke the definition of yoga, according to Patanjali, of yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. So you have to be aware of the fluctuations, I guess, first, right? Yeah. And then allow it. Yeah, episode number 16 is where she defines it. And it's really eloquent. So you're, yes, it's a Buddhist practice. And it is yoga in the sense of the real definition of what yoga really is, which is a union yeah. of mind, body, consciousness, spirit, source, God, whatever. Yeah. That's really cool. But also I can see how the mind being a little puppy dog <laughs> is kind of annoying. <laughs> Well, that I didn't ever talk to the teacher about this, but that metaphor of the puppy dog became kind of a, a nice metaphor for me to carry through because beginning on like day three, I started to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to train this puppy. This puppy dog is powerful and is capable of a lot. And if I just let this puppy dog continue to run wild and free, that's going to be how I continue to live my life. Just the puppy dog in my mind going wild and free, and I'm just chasing thoughts and ideas. So let's get to work and train this puppy dog. I would have meetings in my mind between what I'll call like my higher self or my evolved consciousness and my mind, which is this puppy dog who would show up to the meeting and my body, like a representative of my body. And so the three, the three of us, the three parts of me would sit there and have a conversation like, okay, hey guys, like, welcome back. Here we are. It's day four what are we doing here? And the puppy dog's like, I'm just having fun. Like, I'm just thinking of cool ideas. And like, look at all these cool ideas. And my, my body's like, yeah, man, that's great. Um, but I got a lot to tell you. I can't tell you unless you're going to listen. And my higher self would be like, all right, guys. So here's what's happening. Mind, it's great. You've got all these great ideas. Body, I know you've got a lot to say. How can we work together? 
And it was just like constantly, I would find myself getting frustrated with my inability to hold attention on my breath and uh, like getting angry at myself. I would reconvene these meetings between my consciousness and my mind and body. This is when I started to realize too, like how mean I am to myself. Tomorrow, Jared is going to expound a little bit on these meetings within his mind during his silence. And we're going to talk about deliberateness and the progression of what he found out during his time at the silent retreat. I say this often, if it takes courage, it's worth doing. Life is so cool. When you are fully expressed, life will continue to show you all the good that you desire and deserve. I want that for you. So hit me up, laurachristine.us, schedule yourself a spiritual guidance session or reading, and let's get you going. You can also access all the episodes of this podcast and join me for kundalini yoga in the morning. That's all at laurachristine.us. I would love to hear what you think of this conversation so far, what your mind is like when you try to meditate, and if you have ever been to a silent retreat. You'll know how to contact me after the music starts. Until next time, we're sending you all the love and then some more. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you for exploring with me today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. We can do that at laurachristine.us. You'll find contact in the menu or you can go to laurachristine.us slash contact and you'll be taken right to it. Let's dive in a little deeper and see how fully we can flow with the duh. Thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. Go to laurachristine.us to let me know your thoughts on this. And remember, as Rumi said, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Also, you can't fuck it up. I said that. Thank you.